Are any among you sick? Are any among you suffering? Says the church of James. Are any of you broken? Overcome with despair? Have any of you lost hope? I can tell you sometimes when I read that ending part of James, sometimes I feel like that's written just for me. I feel like I'm a pretty healthy guy. But the way this old world works sometimes, you feel so pulled apart that you feel diseased. Have you ever felt diseased? Have you ever felt like you weren't well? Much of the New Testament, in fact, was written to and for people who felt broken up, tossed to and fro. They were persecuted, they were mistreated, and a lot of times, sadly, they mistreated each other to the point where they were sick. They were sick. You know, we love our doctors. I know I love my doctors. I can remember, can you remember your family doctor? I remember ours, Dr. Strong, uh, was our family doctor in southwest Mississippi. There was a little bit of a conflict of interest because he was also my little league baseball coach, right? One day I had the flu really bad. It was a summer flu. It was a terrible summer bug. And I went to Dr. Strong, and I said, man, I don't think I can play center field. He said, buckle up, buttercup. You drink some Sprite. You'll be ready to go tonight. And I thought, that's not what, I'm sick, man. Um, we love our doctors. In fact, sometimes we give our doctors almost like godlike, omnipotent powers, don't we? We tell our doctors everything, and we depend a lot on them to get it right, make the diagnosis, um, help me figure out what I can do to be healthy again, but actually. To be a really good physician, I think the best doctors are the ones that are daily impressed by the boundaries of modern medicine. The best doctors, I think, are the ones that know they can't fix everything with science. That there are things that we can't do for ourselves when we are broken and dis-eased. There are some things we can do, you know, the, the commercial that's like, oh, 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 Prezik, or whatever it is, right? I mean, they tell you, you know, you do that, you know, you can get well. But we know there's more than getting well to getting well than the right chemicals, although they're good. There's more to getting well than... Um, than science, there's, there's something so much deeper going on, and that cuts at the heart of the gospel today. As Jesus is preaching and celebrity status, and he's the Bon Jovi rock star of North Galilee. Why? Because he is healing people left and right. And, and there's a group of people that, that, that got late to the, to the house and, and there was a guy who was laying on his mat right outside the house, not because he was sleepy, but because he could not get up. He was a paralytic, but he had four obstinate friends who were trying to get him in the presence of Jesus. 
trying to get him deeply, get, get him in front of the deep mysteries of God to, to become healed. But they could not get there because the people with the most expensive tickets were jamming him right in the middle of the room. So they grabbed each one in the corner of that mat and they took him upstairs on the top of that house and they dug through the th- thatch of the roof Right through the, I bet the trustees had a long meeting after that, after that service. But they, but they dug through and, and stuff was coming down. And I'm sure Jesus had to stop doing what he was teaching. And he looked up and his people were covering their eyes. They must have used some rope. We'll have to use our imagination. But they lowered him down in front of Jesus. And he said, your sins are forgiven. And they didn't like that at all. They said, whoa, 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 wait a second you got to go all the way down to the temple to do that kind of stuff. Only God can forgive sin, so that is blasphemy. And they were uttering it kind of in in their hearts. But Jesus sensed it, and he said, okay, you think it's hard to forgive sins. Well, what's harder, that or getting him to walk? And so Jesus healed him, and Jesus told him, hey, pick up your mat and walk. And so this guy just ruined a perfectly good service, right? Came in, got healed, walked out. All these stunned people who just saw Jesus heal somebody. I know some of you have experienced really life-threatening illness or injury. Others of you, I am sure, if you live long enough in the world, you see a loved one go through it. It's the hardest thing in the world. And the hardest things, I think, in the world, at least from my experience, are not necessarily the pain or the discomfort of the suffering is that when you suffer, you are isolated. Laid out on that mat while the world is passing you by and you're isolated from people. You're isolated from others. You're quarantined in some ways. That's, that's the worst thing. It's isolation. Life is just passing you by. I'm sure that's what that guy felt. See, when you were sick back in the old, uh, back in the back in the first century, you had to quarantine yourself, and then you had to show yourself to the priest that you were healed and no longer diseased before you could come back into the community. We experienced two years of that in the pandemic, all of us being isolated, and it was horrible and it was terrible because we couldn't interact one with another. See, we think of of health is maybe scientific or biological, when you and I know that being healed of something is way deeper than that. It's it's about a healing of of relationship. Sometimes the things that really ail us in life are things you can't see. They say that the worst wounds are the things you can't see. When someone in a and a domestic uh, a partnership of, of a spouse is being abused emotionally and run down day in and day out, and you have no scars to show. That's the worst kind of pain, possibly even worse than even physical. But that's horrible as well. You would think, right, that when he got up off that mat, Jesus said, get your mat. I don't know why Jesus said, get your mat. Maybe there was not a lot of room and get that mat out of the way. Or carry your mat because you, from this day on, you're going to tell that story about how you were made well and you didn't need the mat anymore, right? But you 
you would think they'd be so excited about a guy that got healed. Not so. Not so. Because Jesus didn't do it the way they wanted him to do it. They couldn't believe that Jesus announced forgiveness, right, to this guy. Who does he think he is? God? Blasphemy. But those guys who grabbed the corner of that mat, they knew who Jesus was. These guys, the outsiders, they were outside the boundary. You know, when you get sick, you realize your boundaries, just like doctors kind of know their boundaries. When you get sick, you feel those walls come in and you get isolated. And for them, the boundary was that there were guys in the door that would not let them in, that were so worried about getting a piece of Jesus that they forgot about what Jesus was about. They forgot that in Isaiah 35, it says that when the Messiah comes, the lame are going to walk. The mute are going to speak and people are going to dance with joy. There will be no more suffering. They forgot about that. But, but the guys who held that corner, who lowered that guy down the roof, they remembered who Jesus was. They knew that Jesus was a boundary-bursting God who would walk across any border to heal anyone. It's exactly what he did. A few chapters later, he's walking in some foreign territory, this Greek territory, not even among his own, and a man who was mute came up to him. He had some friends too. Do you note the pattern there? These guys always have some friends who get him to Jesus and beg Jesus to lay his hands on him. And you know what Jesus does? He spits on his hands and and spits on his fingers and he plugs his ears up And Jesus looks up. He looks up. And he heals the man. And the man gets up. And he begins to talk. This is is across the border stuff. This This is opening wide the doors and letting those who will come in. And so often the insiders forget who Jesus really is. Jesus wishes and works and dies for our own healing though, so that we might be made well. How can we be the church of the friends of the suffering? How can we be the kind of church that knows that Jesus is about bringing people to healing, however that may be, and we have the courage to grab those corners and bring people in, not the sophisticated people, not the people who are well, but the people who are sick, including ourselves. It's hard for some of us to admit that we're sick, and yet, that's what we're called to do. What do you, what do you say to somebody when you pass by them? How are you doing? And what do they say? Fine. I've been told, don't ask anybody how they're doing. Ask them how they're feeling. That way it's a little bit harder. But when you ask them how they're feeling, you better have the time to stand there and listen. You better have time to grab the corner of the mat. You better have the heart that wishes their healing just as badly as we know Jesus wants to do. Jesus is out there over the boundaries The roof caving in, touching people that we don't see, healing people that we ignore into the land of the debilitated, right? Jesus says, 
Epatha in that in chapter 7, which means Hebrew for or Aramaic for be opened, be opened, be opened. Years ago in the cellar of the church, woman was um, was uh, finishing up the casserole dishes. They had had a big church dinner there. And she looked over. There was one man there that was, that was there helping out. She said, hey, Frank, I've got a bad back. Would you please help me move the table? He said, my name's not Frank. My name is Fred. And I've told you that three times. She said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Fred. But she never saw Fred. Fred was a black guy. And he was one of the few black people at the church. And that really kind of embarrassed the woman. So they, they sat down at the table and they started eating. And she started listening, really seeing this guy named Fred, who she had seen. She thought he was a custodian. Oh, he's part of the church. I don't know. But she started to see him as a human being. And she listened to his stories of pain and some of the struggles that he had to go through. She told her friend later on, she said, I thought I had a bad back, but I really had bad ears and bad eyes. And I finally saw someone who wanted to be well and part of the church. And she said, I was the one who was healed. If I thought, be open. No more boundaries. Walk into Tyre. Walk into these places where only the Greeks are, just so I can be. Maybe the hands and feet of the healing Jesus. That night, her ears and her eyes were opened. Jesus is out in the boundaries, friends. He's out in the cities of Decapolis. He's, he's got a little dirt and spit. He doesn't have the stuff that we see on the commercials. He doesn't come with chemicals. He comes with a loving heart. Because he knows that though medicine is awesome and a miraculous thing and that God works through medicine, that we as a people in order to be healed need more than medicine. We need each other. Every single one of us needs somebody that has the courage to grab the corner of our mat. Every single one of us Needs to have the courage to beg Jesus on our behalf. Be nice and be kind to everyone you meet, says an ancient wise leader. For they are going through a battle that they can't fight alone. Everyone. How are you doing? How are you feeling? When Messiah comes, Messiah will move and speak. And move the world and the roof's going to crumble. And those who are pushed away from the world into the boundaries, they're going to be welcomed. And they're going to be lowered down. And we're all going to be forgiven. Because our God is, a, is an awesome healing God who calls for our healing. And church, if we're not the body of Christ, and if we're not intent and moved to be a part of other people's healing, what good are we to this world the church is the place where the roof crumbles and Jesus the Christ whispers, Epatha, where he spits on his hand and plugs our ears up. We're beyond 
some ad on TV. And we go beyond even the biology of it to know that deep-seating healing, sometimes, sometimes we need to be healed from our wounds of relationship and emotional. Sometimes we just need to know that, that we're not invisible people, that we need to be seen. And so when you come to St. Luke's, St. Luke's, right? It's named after the physician, by the way. When you come to St. Luke's, that you become a part of the healing community when you start to see the people around you. They're not just people anymore. They have names and they have stories and they're worth the wait if you ask them how they're feeling and they need to take a minute to tell you. Some people thought that Jesus was hocus-pocus and magic and that's sometimes what it looks like to us. It doesn't look you know, very scientific, but sometimes that's all people have got. Especially for the poor and the outcast. Physically, they don't really have a place to go. People in North Mississippi and rural areas, hard to go to places sometimes. One time in Alaska when we were serving there, there was a guy that had no health insurance. And he had a 104 degree fever. We said, John, you have got to go to the hospital. He said, I'm not insured. We don't care. We, we will take up a collection, something, you're going to die. And it's amazing how sick people will get when they don't know anybody cares about them. You know, we also kind of think too, like, you know, the biggest buildings in Jackson are what? There are medical centers, right? I had an ethics teacher one time, one time imagine in about a thousand years, you know how sometimes we give tours of chapels, uh, like go in, in Europe, you know, all these chapels that nobody really goes to anymore, but they're beautiful, and we, we go, you know, imagine in about a thousand years, people taking tours through old medical centers, and, and, and a tour guide coming through and saying, hey, you know, this is where they did a lot of paperwork over here. And then they made you put an apron on with the, the backside was open. It was kind of strange. And then the doctor would come in and poke you and pride you, you know. And, and then they would, they would sedate you and put you to sleep. And then they would put things in your body. And they would, they would, they would, take, they would take people out. And a thousand years from now, they'll probably go, boy, those people were primitive. My goodness. And then some tourist is going to say, well, did it work? You know? Well, they all, you know, passed away anyway, but, but uh, see, medicine, even today, modern medicine is what works for people with money and access, and sometimes there's even a divide there. Back in the day, if you were sick, you bought a lamb, or if you were too poor, you bought, you, you bought a turtle dove. To prove your well, to offer to God, right? And what if you were so poor that you couldn't afford a turtle dove? Well, good luck. Good luck to you. Because that's what you needed to get in the temple. But here comes Jesus with spit in his hand, with sighs too deep for words, and he looked up to heaven. And he healed people. You know, magic is the last resort of hope, of the hope of heaven. And for people who have no hope, 
They don't have any hope unless there is hope in heaven, right? For those people, there's no hope unless there's a loving God out there that, that longs to heal us, mind, body, and soul. And lucky for us, and lucky for those who are the most walled out, Jesus is there for people whose needs we often ignore, those we isolate, victims of all kinds of physical boundaries. Jesus is there, and He doesn't care about the roof. And He doesn't care about how silly the spit looks on His hand. Jesus wants to make us well. Jesus wants to make us well. Two weeks ago, I stopped eating sugar. As much of it, you can't stop eating sugar, right? But I did eat a lot less of it. And, uh, and I put, instead of four spoons of sugar in my coffee, I'm down to one, you know? And now, if somebody offers me a cookie, I take a bite. I don't eat six of them like I usually, you know, right? And y'all, I'm feeling well. I'm like, I don't get headaches in the afternoon. I say, wow, that's kind of cool. Who, who would have thought that not eating a bunch of sugar might make you feel better? But I do. I'm sleeping better. So I'm feeling good. But today, if you feel yourself excluded and boundaried in, and if you don't have hope, I want you to hear this message. With spit in his hand, with his eyes toward heaven, and whispering epitaph, Jesus wants you healed. So today, it's going to be a little strange, a little different. We're about to close, I promise you. I'm not going to keep you too long. Um, I'm going to invite our children to come up. And um, so, our, yeah, our, well, not all our children, but the, the ones who are, are volunteering um, for this. And we're going to uh, come on up. Yeah. Good. How many are going to do it? Okay. All right. Got three, four, five. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Angela, I think, just to play a little bit or... Ben's going to play. Okay, Ben's going to play. And um, what I want you to do is I'm, they're going to bless us today. We're going to have a healing service. Who, who'd have thunk in a Methodist church you'd have a healing service? Maybe not as dramatic as some of those tent revivals. But I want you to, what I want you to know, that all I can do is invite you to come up. And a child is going to put the sign of the cross on your hand. So hold your hand out. And they're going to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. If there are those of you who need any extra prayer, just meet me right here and I'll, and I'll pray for you before you t uh, go to your seat. Um, but uh, I invite you uh, to come forward and then we'll sing our closing hymn. So um, as the Spirit leads, you're invited to come forward, please, and place your hand forward like that and, and be blessed.